Get ready to enter the dark world of sending audio over the internet. Warning. Warning. You'll hear things like ports, quality of service and bonding. In this edition of the EBU Radio Sport Podcast, we're looking at how broadcasters manage to send live audio from big sporting events. EBU's Podcast. I'm David Knight from VRT in Belgium, and like every other major broadcaster on planet Earth, we're currently right in the middle of covering the FIFA World Cup in Russia. All sporting events pose a challenge when sending live audio, and the World Cup is no exception. With huge crowds spread over numerous locations and many, many hours of live commentary. In this edition of the EBU Radio Sport podcast, we'll link up with French broadcaster RMC to hear from Etienne de Roseau. RMC reporters are alone in Russia during all the competition without any technician. Etienne made a fleeting visit to Russia to set up his equipment. At the IBC, I just installed a video mattress and an audio codec to bring back to Paris our video fees and the Radio International sound package. We'll also hear from Steve Wyatt, who's a well-traveled outside broadcast engineer at the BBC. At this very moment I'm in the middle of Wimbledon which I've worked on for a number of years now. Every year BBC Radio at Wimbledon will build a number of control room studios, um, provide facilities on courts to broadcast from pretty much anywhere to anywhere. Hi I'm Brendan Pearson, I work at SBS Australia in the Radio Operations Division and I'm acting as the production manager for the Radio World Cup coverage. SBS is providing a unique service, allowing expat listeners in Australia to enjoy dedicated coverage of their home teams. They have an agreement with a number of European radio stations to allow them to rebroadcast coverage across Australia. They're using a tried and tested technology, ISDN, to establish a lot of their audio links. For people who don't know what ISDN is, here's Steve Wyatt from the BBC. ISDN uh, has been around for a good 25 plus years now. ISDN is basically a dial-up phone line which gives you a digital circuit and traditionally we would use one or two of these bonded together to give better quality. You dial the phone number, it connects and it just works. So we're using ISDN quite a bit during this World Cup. It is a tested and proven technology. Um, it has its drawbacks and it has its positives. We've found that it is happy to do a three-hour match um, with minimal interference and minimal dropouts. But we've also come across issues where the technology is simply not being compatible. So we'll get a connection. However, we won't be able to frame up the actual codex. Warning. You heard two terms there, codecs and frame-up. In very simple terms, a codec is the form in which audio is converted. Frame-up means that the data from the sending device is being understood by the receiving device. In general terms, once a connection is framed, it means we're connected and can talk between the studio and remote location. In Belgium, we've switched off ISDN. It's no longer available for domestic coverage, but when you head overseas to events like the World Cup, it's hard to beat. 
Etienne from RMC agrees. As our reporter have to move from our commentary position to the flash interview position and to the mix zone position, with an ISDN line, they just have to plug the cable and compose the good number to call. It's more easier and comfortable for us and for them. The advantages of ISDN are that it's really easy to use. You just plug it in. The disadvantages are that it's costly. It costs a lot of money to get uh, lines put in and you pay an ongoing cost per minute as well because it's a, a dial-up phone line and the quality isn't necessarily what we've come to expect from today so uh, no doubt you'll be very used to hearing the quality of sports events uh, using a coding known as G722 which can use a single ISDN line and is better than a phone line but there's no kind of high frequency information on it. As I said, we've switched off ISDN in Belgium, and the same is happening around the world. Broadcasters have been left with no choice but to find a new solution. The main technology, which of course is, has taken over the world for quite a few years now, IP. So IP is king. You can pretty much send anything you want from anywhere you want to anywhere you want over IP, which is basically the internet. You can get an internet connection in one part of the world, an internet connection in another part of the world, as long as both of you are using the same equipment or equipment that is happy talking to other equipment, then you can get anything from anywhere to anywhere. It sounds like a dream come true, but sending audio over the internet is a complicated affair and reliability comes at a price. Brendan from SBS says it's a technology that still needs to mature. At the moment, it does feel like it's still a little bit of the Wild West, whereas ISDN has been so established for so long, IP is still proving itself and we're still finding the best ways to utilize and the best codecs for certain tasks. At the moment, there, there seems to be no real standard when connecting between uh, broadcasters or external parties. Warning. You're about to hear a new term, router. Routers are basically the boxes that you have at home that allow you to connect to the internet. Routers talk to other routers and they're fundamental to connecting devices on the internet. If, for instance, I'm in the UK and I'm speaking to someone in New York, um, I could be going through 10, 12, 14 different routers. So the data has got to get from you to the first router, to the second router, to the third router. And all of this, of course, adds latency, which is just takes time to get through. The bigger problem is that you do get packet loss. Um, the way audio and video is transmitted over the internet is different to the way data is transmitted, as in if you're just browsing a web page. In very basic terms, when you are on the internet looking at websites, your laptop, tablet, whatever, sends a request for a page and it sends the data a bit at a time and says, have you got that? And the other end says, yes, I have. Please send me some more. And it keeps doing that and keeps doing that until everything is loaded. Have you got that? Yes, I have. Please send me some more. Have you got that? Yes, I have. Please send me some more. Got that? The way audio and video works is that it's a continuous stream with no acknowledgement from the far end that it's been received okay. So you can occasionally get breaks or little, little glitches in the stream, but there are a number of methods we use to combat the, the dreaded kind of glitching issue. The first is buffering. So what you do is you send all your audio 
and at the far end it has a buffer of a few tens up to a few hundreds of milliseconds then if there's a little gap coming in you've got a little time for it to wait for the audio to carry on and then it joins it together and you don't lose audio the other way to do it is to send the audio more than once to send the audio more than once to send the, to audio, send more the audio more than once. than once to do that we use a piece of kit called a vipronet uh, and this allows us to send the audio over six different connections um, and at the far end it just picks the first one to arrive um, and puts it all back together again so we use four different mobile data connections for our mobile phone networks um, and two ethernet so this could be an on-site adsl it could be um, an on-site fiber connection um, and this gives us kind of the diversity we need and it's very rare using this that we do have any issues Viprinet isn't the only technology that allows you to combine internet connections to achieve reliability. TV broadcasters use services like LiveView to send pictures from breaking news stories. And RMC are using a similar box to let their journalists work remotely. RMC is testing a lot of IP solutions since few years and we are ready for the full IP transition. We have the good audio codec and I decided to add an IP modem who will give us the possibility to aggregate 4G, Wi-Fi and one networks to optimize the IP link. We can have our reporter with a good audio quality everywhere in Russia. Unfortunately, the Russian network sometimes is just saturated, so I spent time to set up well all our 4G devices to find the best configuration and compromise with the buffer and the FEC to optimize the connections. I chosen to add a special network device, a Papewave BR1 Slim. This device is a 4G modem and it can aggregate a Wi-Fi access or one access to optimize the connection. The Papewave established a layer 2 VPN connection with Paris. Like that, I can remote and control each devices from Paris and each audio codec plugged on the Papewave. Back in February, I was working with BBC Radio 1 and BBC Sport Relief because one of the Radio 1 presenters was doing a big challenge to raise lots of money. And this involved cycling, climbing mountains and doing a daily three-hour radio show from wherever he happened to be that day um, this was all done on IP uh, and 4G and basically from one day to the next we weren't quite sure where we were going to end up uh, and one day we ended up in an absolutely beautiful place called Windermere but we turned up and we didn't have any connection at all so we were parked in the car park um, of a youth hostel and I managed to use their Wi-Fi with their permission uh, and a combination of that and a couple of 4G cards because the mobile phone signal was really bad there. Um, we got on air and we managed a three hour show without any dropouts at all. So that's the kind of situation where this kit is really, really useful. There's a very big difference between using a mobile phone connection in a remote location and using one in the middle of a sporting venue. Anybody who has tried to use their phone at the football ground will know that crowds always mean slow internet. Brendan from SBS. We would rule out 4G straight away. Um, we've had a lot of issues with, uh, we've got a 4G codec and that, that passes audio over IP. And as soon as you get a, a decent sized crowd, particularly at a football match or a horse race or anywhere that there's gonna be a lot of people with phones, you will find that the cell towers can get uh, quite overloaded very quickly. Um, and getting a stable connection is almost impossible at times. So one of the first things I'd ask is for a fixed line connection. It's very difficult at a big event to get 
reliable mobile connectivity. So in that instance, we would have to use something hardwired and we may put in temporary ADSL or VDSL lines, or we could use internet from the hosts, which is what we mostly do at big venues. For audio over IP, the bandwidth requirements aren't that high, so you probably wouldn't have to go to an enterprise grade, which was great because that will get very expensive very quickly and probably submit you to longer plans and higher installation fees. But as long as you've got that, that guarantee quality of service, that would be, be the critical part for the audio over IP and um, making sure you've got a reliable connection for that broadcast. Warning. You just heard a new term there, quality of service. Here's Steve again. So a way to think about quality of service is if you imagine a motorway with three lanes of traffic, um, the outside lane is the fast lane. This has priority over the middle lane, which has priority over the inside lane. So your audio data on the outside, which is the most critical, will get priority over the middle lane, which gets priority over the general data, which is on the inside lane. Unfortunately, QoS is not available on the public internet. It's only available on private networks. So if you're running your own network, you can configure QoS and it will work brilliantly. As soon as you get onto the public internet, QoS um, goes out of the window because every router between you and your destination has to understand it and this simply doesn't happen. The only way you can guarantee QoS across a wide area for instance, from one country to the next, is if you buy a direct connection from an internet provider. Steve has some more tips for anyone looking to book or install an internet connection at a sporting venue. I would look for, first of all, overall speed of connection. That gives you a very general guide as to how good the connection is. Next thing I would look at is latency, and that's the time the data takes to get from you to your endpoint. And the other thing I would like to know is whether I have any guaranteed bandwidth. So, for instance, a large sports stadium may have a thousand megs of data capacity, but if there's a thousand people on it, all watching YouTube, then things are gonna go downhill quickly. So what they can do for you is to give you a guaranteed speed. So no matter what anyone else on the network is doing, you're always guaranteed to get X megs in and out. Warning. Megs means megabits per second. It's just a way of measuring internet speeds. The other thing that needs to be checked is that a lot of corporate connections could have certain data streams blocked. Now, I do a lot of work uh, where we turn up to kind of schools and colleges and universities, and they will be blocking a lot of things. Now, what we need to do is to speak to them and get them to offer us a special connection without a firewall on, for instance, and that will allow our audio stream to get out. Here's Brendan from SBS again. If you're coming in off a corporate network or off a, a large network, there may be firewalls, um, there may be issues with ports as well. So you've got to be able to have access to create the either the holes in the firewall or to ensure that the ports are open to get your signals in and out of the site that you're going to. Warning. Brendan talked about ports there. Here's Steve to explain. Every single device on the internet has an IP address and that's its address where anyone can talk to it. Now, if you think of the IP address like an apartment block, then behind the front door of the apartment block, 
There could be one flat, there could be 10 flats, there could be a thousand flats. So imagine you wanted to send a letter to flat 10, number 100 Acacia Avenue. So 100 Acacia Avenue is the IP address, flat 10 is the port number. So ports for audio over IP do vary enormously based on the kit you use. Um, we, for instance, in my job, we use a lot of Comrex kit and the Comrex port by default is port 9000. Now you can change this and we do change that. So we run a lot of different Comrexes off a single IP address. So you can't have more than one device at the same port number. With some units, the ports will be specified in a certain section of the setup of the unit, whereas in others, you'll actually have to type the port in on the address. Um, and knowing where to put these ports can often be quite confusing, and it will lead to issues where you'll get a connection, but you won't actually get a, a solid audio connection. The devices will see each other, but they won't communicate. It's no wonder that journalists love working with ISDN. You plug in your audio kit, you dial a number, and you broadcast live. But when you ask journalists to think about IP addresses or port numbers, well, you're just asking for trouble. Remembering all these numbers, IP addresses, port numbers and everything is pretty tricky, even for people who do it every day. So what has come along is a technology called SIP, which stands for Session Initiation Protocol. So say I want to dial my friend in New York to send some audio over. I will dial his SIP address. My device will go and talk to a SIP server. And the SIP server then puts us in touch directly. It knows each other's IP address. It knows both of our port numbers. And so it sits in the middle, sets up the session, i.e. the session initiation part, and then leaves us to talk between ourselves. So SIP is a solution, and anyone that's made a call on Skype will know it's an easy way of connecting to people without thinking about IP addresses or port numbers. But it feels like we still don't quite have an all-in-one solution that is the answer to every journalist's or engineer's dreams. The dream for me? A small audio codec for three people where I can have two or three integrated 4G modem and the possibility to aggregate other IP networks. All of that in only one device. My advice is to keep an eye on developments from Swedish radio. They've built a very clever backpack that does allow journalists to connect wirelessly to their studios with one simple press of a button. So if I was to want a piece of kit which would kind of solve a lot of our problems, it would be something that you could plug into any internet connection to connect to anyone else in the world without any messing about with ports and firewalls. Um, and you could get high quality audio, preferably uncompressed linear, from one place to the other without any delays, any breakages, any dropouts. Um, sadly, I think it's going to be a little while before something like that appears. For any smaller broadcasters looking to delve into audio over IP technology without the expense of professional equipment, there are plenty of free alternatives. Our esteemed radio sport leader in EBU is Christophe Basquier. My son introduced me to an audio communication tool that is used by gamers. It's called Discord and it uses the free Opus codec to give really high quality voice connections as at least a backup solution to broadcasting live. Take a look at Source Connect and CleanFit.net as other brother-based alternatives. In fact, 
The interview with Steve was recorded using cleanfit.net and Brendan was recorded via Source Connect. Thank you, Christophe, and thank you to Brendan, Steve and Etienne for taking the time to explain a complicated subject in simple terms. The summer is a busy time for sports broadcasters, so we really appreciate their time. Well, I'm off now to listen to the World Cup, Wimbledon and the Tour de France, and I'll surely appreciate even more the amount of work that goes into getting the signal back to the studio. EBU's Radio Sports Podcast.